Arizona sports, the local sports leader. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum football. Maximum brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. All right, it is Wednesday. That means Max Starks is joining us for some maximum football here for the next hour. Max, what's going on? I'm doing good, fellas. I'm sorry I can't see you guys in person, but I am happy to be on the show. Well, yeah, we should point out Max is, is on the Arizona Sports Line right now. It's not like he's in the studio, but not facing yeah. us or something. How's your week? Yeah, exactly. Look? How's your week look, Max? I mean, honestly, you know, you logistically, I don't know how you do it, dude. How's it? How's it looking right now? Well, it's looking cloudy with a chance of meatballs. <laughs> um, no, it's just it, this week because we have I have um, UVA North Carolina this weekend. I'm going yeah. to Charlottesville, and Charlottesville. Yeah, maybe you guys didn't know this. It's not exactly the easiest place to fly to. So, um, so I got to leave like first thing Friday morning. So that kind of pushes up a lot of the stuff that I do on Fridays before I normally leave. So today is uh, jam packed. I have to finish up my boards, and uh, I have a coach's call uh, coming up in a little bit. That's why we're at this earlier hour. Um, and then tomorrow, I've got to get. My SEC shows out of the way, as well as my daily duties um, with the Steelers, and luckily they're on bye. I was going to say this is your so, bye week, Max. This is supposed to be yeah, your week off. It's, spo- it's supposed to be easy, but you know, in, in the business, there's never a bye week, Luke. Yes. We don't get bye weeks. Our bye week is yeah, exactly. It's football time. So, so yeah. So making the adjustments, but um, I appreciate everybody being amenable to that. In my schedule today to be on here. Uh, let's. Uh, I'm going to play this clip from Cliff Kingsbury when we had him on on Monday and I think we would all agree Wolf you have uh, you have asked him why you're not running the ball as much really for about a year straight now really since they stopped running the ball you've been pretty straightforward on this show and talking to Cliff and we asked him again on Monday is there a way to get this offense more balanced because now you can see the first seven games last year hey the offense is balanced and you win all the time when it's not well you've won four of your last 14. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, each year is different. I mean, at that time, you know, you had a healthy O-line, you had Max Williams, you had both running backs healthy, you had Hop. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that um, were playing at a high level then, and each year is different, and so you try to maximize your talent and the group you have, and, and uh, we'll continue to do that. But yeah, we'd like to have better balance, and a lot of that's been uh, due to the fact we've been behind, you know, late in the fourth quarter and not been able to run it and play on our terms, and that's something uh, we got to stay on schedule and not be behind late in these games that, that make us one-dimensional. All right, so Max, I'm going to start with you here. He rattled off having a healthy O-line, having Max Williams, having DeAndre Hopkins, and having your running backs. And of those four things, all they have now is DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, they have running backs, but they don't have James Conner. They don't have a healthy O-line, and they don't have Max Williams. But there's got to be a way to salvage this, right? Yeah, I mean, there there is a way. And, you know, is it ideal to be going up against Seattle when you're down so many pieces? No. Um, this Seattle team is just very efficient and very solid. But, you know, I think you have to lean on that offensive line. You have to give them plays where they can go north and south, right? Yeah. You've got to give them plays where they can go and physically beat up 
the other side of the ball. You can't drop back. You can't sprint left and sprint right and expect a run game to just all of a sudden magically appear. Like it's not, it's there's not a pot at the end of the rainbow here. It's it's easy. You you, you know, just like if you're built, if if you're making iron, right? You know, or you're putting any molten metal. You, you gotta you, you gotta <laughs> melt a bunch of different things together, and then you gotta pound that thing out till you get the shape that you want. And that's what it is. That that's what the run game is. It's about pounding out and you know, essentially hitting your head up against the wall until you find the crack. And then once you get the crack, that's when everybody starts to, you know, leak through. But you have to you have to be dedicated to it. It can't be a sun sometimey type of thing. If you want to be a better running team, the only cure is to run the ball more. The more reps you get yeah. live, the better you get at it. Yeah, you know what's been so incredible too? You go back and you look at last year, um, they were in the top three. They were number two for the longest time in the first half of the season. They were number two in run rate. And remember, it wasn't like Kyler Murray was pulling the ball down and running the ball, Max. He was not. And people were <laughs> they were all talking about that. They were running the football and then going into December, as a matter of fact, going into December. They were the number five run rate team in the National Football League. They ended number 12 in the NFL in run rate after December into January. And how did December and January go with exactly. wins? It was an absolute, it was an absolute mess. They still have not recovered, in my opinion, from that. And that's the reason why they've won four of their last 14 games. That's what I think. No, I believe it as well, Wolf, because the balance of teams, the way that they build teams now is outside in. And why do I say that? Or what, do I, what am I talking about? It's when you look at the draft, they draft cornerbacks, wide receivers. Then they draft edge rushers and tackles. And then you get safeties, and then some tight ends. They start outside and work in to build their team. So guess where the last place that they're looking? Middle of the, of the offensive and defensive areas. And that's how team, most teams are built. So that would automatically say we're worried about the pass. We're worried about teams passing. So we're going and getting guys to facilitate that, to either help it or hurt it. And that's what, how teams have been building themselves the last couple of years. So the emphasis on the run has already seen itself take place. But those who continually say, you know what? I still want to be a running team. The guys that they call too old, like a Pete Carroll, right? Yeah. You know, that's where you focus on. that. that that's that Because that, they know that December and January – what wins football games when weather starts to become a factor? Yeah. And this right is something, football. yes, yes, Max, definitely. This is something that I want you to watch because honestly, you know how much I value your opinion and your ability to uh, analyze and your your observations and your opinions about football teams. But I want you to watch this because I think it's changing in the National Football League. What you just said, I think it's going to change. And the reason why is because of all this cover two shell that we're seeing right now. Defensive coordinators are just like, 
we're gonna we're gonna make you throw the ball down the field, and you're gonna have to work your way down the field. We're gonna play a ton of Tampa too. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna play two man. We're gonna play two safeties high. We're gonna go ahead and drop three um, deep, and we'll have five underneath and rush three. Uh, it's it's starting to change this mm-hmm. bend but don't break mentality that is taking over right now, and it's one of the reasons why scoring is down in the NFL. And what's going to happen is you're going to have to start building your teams on the line of scrimmage to be able to run the ball once again. This is something that I think we should watch going forward, Max. You know, and, and I'll give it to you, Wolf. It's, yeah, you're right. It's already happening. I mean, I can't tell you how how much more Tampa two I see for yeah. teams that aren't four three. Yep. Um, and the prevalence of even invert cover two. Right. Yes. That's the that's the other one that kind of has been like, oh, we're going to do this new wrinkle and run invert. So we kind of give them a look of two man, but yet it's really true zone, and we're going to bail at the last second, and you see more three and six coverages. Um, so it's already happening, and even watching, you know, the Steelers who are true like cover three zone blitz type of scheme, they vary their their, their coverages to more of what you're. Talking about yes, and it it is you know Look, they are because teams aren't teams don't feel as confident in their run game, so they're going to play off of that. Luke, it is the Brady factor. Okay, when Tom Brady was beat, he was beat in the Super Bowl by teams that could rush four and drop. Oh, I seven. remember Giants rush twice. four and drop. And he seven. had a hard time with the Absolutely. Ravens in the playoffs too. Yeah. That's what's happening right now. So the premium is starting to go back on the line of scrimmage and edge guys in particular. Edge guys are the freak guys you want to go get. It used to be corner. It used to be the corners that you wanted to get. It's the edge guys now. It's all about rushing for, and that means your offensive line. You better build it as well because now the premium is on pass rush. Well, now you're just period. making me wish the Cardinals had gone out and gotten Bradley Chubb yesterday because we've been asking to go get an edge rusher for a while. Speaking of the trade deadline, which teams got better at the trade deadline? Maximum football continues next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Dark. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum for Maximum for Maximum. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce. Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios today. Max Starks is joining us for Maximum Football. And we're getting to the trade deadline here. It was, um, I couldn't, I couldn't help but get distracted during the break, Wolf. They flashed up on one of the screens. And again, who knows who's telling the truth. But uh, the Rams claim they had multiple offers for Cam Akers. Okay. If that's the case, why didn't you trade Cam Akers? Because you clearly don't like him. You've basically told him you're not going to play him. Yeah, because the offers were a seventh round pick. Uh, does that, that's got to be what it was, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> You know, maybe they just did not get what they wanted. Like a Groupon? Like, here, we'll get you a nice uh, trip to Disneyland or something? Okay, now you're just being disrespectful. Well, I I don't know. Otherwise, why wouldn't you trade them? I I don't know what to say on that. Right, of of course. You got offers. Yeah, you got all sorts of offers. They're all seventh-round picks. I guess. Uh, Max, what do you think, when you look at the trade deadline yesterday, 
what stands out to you? Is it teams that didn't make moves? Like, you know, Dallas didn't make moves either. That That's probably more, it is more of a Super Bowl contender than the Cardinals, and they didn't make moves either. You had Miami go all in for Chubb. You had a lot of big names moving, too. Well, yeah, I, I think that was that was it. Um, you know, just a little tidbit for you guys. Um, four firm, former first-round picks got moved yesterday, um, which that's the most um, in the last 30 years um, doing the trade deadline. So that was a big move. I think, you know, two, two of them were really, really striking, and then there's two that were kind of like, okay, I could see that. Um trades that happened. First one, I'll say you're right. Miami going all in and they went in, grabbed Bradley Chubb, but they also traded for Jeff Wilson Jr. from mm-hmm. San Francisco as well. Obviously, CMC coming to coming to Frisco um, made Jeff Wilson more of a luxury than a necessity, which allowed him to be available. But now you put another San Francisco 49er running back in that backfield to go along with Raheem Mostert for Mike McDaniels um, to add some more firepower. And Chase Edmonds gets moved to the Broncos. Um in, the, in that swing. So I just thought the Dolphins highly active um, on that trade deadline. And I have to think that they're eyeing Buffalo. That's really what they're when they made these trades. It was to combat and to go up and get ready to contend with Buffalo in December because you already have the one game advantage on them. And that's the only way you can keep yourself in this uh, division race is to bolster. And you're looking at that opponent. Um, another one that was uh, really surprising. But a big winner for Minnesota, who obviously Carlos just played. Um, them trading t- for TJ Hawkinson yeah. in the division from Detroit. That was a head scratcher. And getting picks back in the deal. Yeah. And, 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 you, and you were able to swap some stuff around. It was just... So I felt like, you know, really that one, Detroit either got fleeced on that one. And maybe that's payback from draft day when they made the switch um, and draft picks of 20 picks so that so that Detroit could go and get uh, Jameson Williams. I don't know. It was like, hey, I'm, there's going to be this trade later in the year. You just got to let it happen. <laughs> I don't know how that... That's the only way I could see this happening. Like, I did a favor for you. This, the day of my daughter's wedding, you know, type of deal, Godfather style. But... But that that was another one that that was like wow okay that was a big move because I felt like Minnesota got a lot better with that acquisition and they're already just a one loss team and they know that the NFC is is one that's more wide open so what, if you can bolster your offense then you're gonna that's gonna free up Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen for them uh, having T.J. Hawkinson in the middle of the field because he wasn't really utilized properly in Detroit um, now the Ant ones I was like. The once again a Chicago trade, Chicago and Baltimore for for Roquan Smith. That one because it, you know like that one it, I, it, I, makes I gotta, it, it makes sense yeah. for the Ravens, man. I mean honestly, well they, absolutely. But after this year, that's my concern. Well, they're like, gonna they're obviously gonna sign him. They're obviously, but you still got but you that. still got to sign Lamar Jackson. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, and, they never and, got and, that and, done, did they? Yeah, and Roquan, guess who Guess who represents Roquan Smith? Okay, who? 
Roquan Smith. So now you're dealing with another player agent. Roquan Smith is going to do the best for Roquan Smith because it's for Roquan Smith. They should have Roquan Smith represent Lamar Jackson and have Lamar represent Roquan. Oh, yeah, there we go. I honestly, with with the Baltimore Ravens and their history, of course, at the Mike linebacker, inside linebacker, Roquan Smith, to me, that was a a no-brainer. They obviously value that position, John Harbaugh. There's no way in the world they're going to trade for Roquan Smith and then not extend him. At some point in time, that's going to be coming. I know that Lamar Jackson as well has got to be extended, and I expect that to happen. I, I love that. I don't know what happened in Chicago, but it had to have some type of personal development that happened where Roquan Smith was not going to play for the Chicago Bears, for me, because they have a great history of some inside linebackers yeah. as well. Some great Mike yeah. linebackers. I, I didn't. I don't understand how you get better as a football team by trading Roquan Smith, especially for what you got back for him. Well, it's simple. They didn't want to pay twenty million dollars a year, which is what Roquan's looking for. I mean, at a certain yeah. point, you have to yeah. pay yeah. to win. Yeah, yeah, you have to pay to win. But they didn't want to pay twenty million for the middle backer position. When you think of that position, not necessarily as depressed as like the safety market or the running back market, but it's it's not far behind those. And I think that was something we're like we can't dedicate that much to one position, especially one position as the middle linebacker position, they would rather spend that on what? An edge rusher, a corner, a receiver, a tackle or something. And I'm saying a tackle. Both tackles <laughs> combined. Um but but I think that's kind of the the mindset. If you're if you're revamping this defense because you are remember, you traded away Khalil Mack uh, this offseason. Yeah. You just traded away Robert Quinn, and now you've traded away Roquan Smith. But yet you got Chase Claypool, so you don't like the defense. But I'm, I, that has to be a signal that you're you're sold on Justin Fields as your franchise quarterback. But there's a lot of work to do if you're Chicago. And yeah, Baltimore got better for this season, but I'm just worried about what that looks like long term when both of these guys are up. Because obviously you're going to use a franchise tag on one of them, which is it going to be? Which deal are you going to have to swallow first and potentially piss off the other guy because they wanted their long-term deal? That's my only concern with it as far as the logistics of the timing of having to do those contracts. Um, The other one that was funny and intriguing, Buffalo and the Colts. They did running back swaps. Yeah, you send Zach Moss from Buffalo down to Indianapolis, and then you send Naeem Hines to Buffalo from Indianapolis. Frank Reich's fired his offensive coordinator. He is now his own offensive coordinator. Uh, Sam Ellinger is now the starting quarterback. So looking to bolster, I get why the Colts did it. Naeem Hines doesn't necessarily fit into what they're kind of doing there, and he doesn't fit what Jonathan Taylor's style of running is. So it's a little bit different, but yet not the same. And Zach Moss, I think, runs more like Jonathan Taylor. Like, he's a between-the-tackles type of runner, and so I think they bolster that. And Naeem Hines gives you more flexibility in the passing game. He's a bigger body, especially when you're talking about goal-line situations versus Devin Singletary and even James Cook. So I get why it made sense, but that was just funny to see them 
do a running back for running back it's, swap. It's funny to hear you say Naeem Hines doesn't fit into what the Colts are trying to do there because as I watch the Colts, Max, I'm not sure what the Colts are trying to do there. And I do know Naeem Hines, his life just got a whole lot better yesterday because he gets to go contend oh. for a Super Bowl. All right, when we come back, what's the challenge of facing the same team in the span of three weeks? We're going to ask Max Starks. Maximum Football continues next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Wednesday morning. Max Starks joining us right now for Maximum Football. So, Max, I'm going to start with you on this one. I'm sure. I know you're a big fan of the Ravens. I know you're a big fan of the Browns. I know you're a big fan of the Bengals, the three teams that you uh, played the most in your division. Love them. Um, How strange is it? And I'm sure it happens. Obviously, we've seen it happen with other teams this this, uh, season around the NFL. But how strange is it when you play a team and then three weeks later you're playing them again, as is the case with the Cardinals and the Seahawks this weekend? (laughs) You know, it, it, it's happened. It's happened a number of times in my career. I mean, you know, we I've done that multiple times with Baltimore um, and with Cincy, and it's one of the. And actually, you know, it's funny. We actually did it one year where we played San Diego. Um, at the end of the season, and then we saw them two weeks later in the playoffs. Like it was, it was pretty crazy because we played them like week sixteen, and then of course we had week seventeen, and then we played them in, in, in the first round of the playoffs. So, so it, it's weird, but it's it's more commonplace than uncommon, um, especially when you get towards the end of the year because everybody wants to backload now the the division races, so it makes them more interesting at the end of the year, um, but. It's uh, it, it's tough. It's tough to to see a team once and feel like you got the better of them, and then come back because you know there are no real trade secrets. There's no real growth. It's not like you saw the team week two and they're a different team come week twelve. You know, it, it's it's a it's a lot it's a lot tougher because they know you as fresh off of the memories, and sometimes you carry the baggage from the previous game into the contest <laughs> yes. uh, more often than not, and so it, you know, but. It's one of those things, you'll get it out the way. If you're the winning team, you definitely want to come back sooner than later. But if you're the losing team, you know, you haven't had enough time to let it process what happened to you. You're moving on to the next game, and then you have to see the same opponent again. The studying's easier, but the personnel's still the same. And if there's a dread on there, you don't want to see that, you know, come three weeks from now. You know, I always thought that um, the football player that was a thinker had the advantage in situations like this. A guy that thought an awful lot, um, and, as opposed to just going out and reacting, just going out and playing naturally. I I always thought the guy that um, thought about what he did had the advantage in situations where you're going to play a team for the second time in three weeks because you could almost use what the other guy, what you thought you you were successful with against the other guy, you could use it against him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Have, have you ever done uh-huh. that, Max? <laughs> have you ever done that where, you know, you, you took a certain set on a guy and, you know, maybe maybe you punched him 
um, with your right hand. Maybe maybe it was with your left, whatever it may be. I, I guess what I'm saying is, have you ever done anything where you actually use what you did against him the first time against him the basically, second time? Basically, like, you think, I think, you think, I think this. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. It's called the fleece game, right? <laughs> you know, you're trying to fleece the guy, you know, and, and, and yeah, I've definitely used that. And it's something that even when I self-scout myself, you know, I have to make sure that I'm not doing things in a pattern that they can pick up on. Yes. But like you said, if I look at my tendency from that game, if, if I've been more, I was, you know, I was, I was shocking with the left hand, you know, putting the left hand out of left tackle. More, maybe, maybe I run a shadow punch. Maybe I throw it out there and bring it back immediately and then counter with the right. Or maybe I go with the two, with, with a two hand jam this time. Right. I'm saying, you know what? It's a short set. Boom, I'm going to come out and get them. Or if I am a short setter, now I set more on the 45. Or if I'm a guy who, who likes, who likes to play it and, and kind of kick, kick. Uh, drift, maybe I change it up. Kick, drift, dr- uh, kick. You know, you change up some of the things, your stances, your tendencies, even in a three point. Like, what does my three point stance look like when I'm passing versus running? Maybe I sell him on yeah. it's a pass, but I know it's outside zone. But if he gets up the field, I could take him out of the play and shorten the edge for the running back. Maybe I could change that up. Like, you start thinking of these little things, little nuances, because that's what matters the second time around is not being predictable. Right. And, and that could also apply for offensive and defensive coordinators as well. Don't be predictable. Right. <laughs> no, you know what's so funny about that, too? Uh, as a former wedge buster, you'll appreciate this, okay? And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about me being the wedge buster. Yeah. If you had two guys standing next to each other, you'd run down the field and you'd stare at the guy on the left, Max. You'd stare at the guy on the left all the way down the field and then hit the guy on the right. That's how you bust up. <laughs> That's how you get two guys, right? You get two guys oh, that yeah. way. Stare at the guy on the left, hit the guy on the right. Well, the next time you play him, stare at the guy on the right, hit the guy on the left. You understand? It's really yeah, that simple. We need to have like, lessons it's from a that, wedge buster music. It is that simple right there, baby. Max, uh, yeah. when I look at this game, as much as things are similar because they just played, there are some differences. And, and so I mean, the Cardinals didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, and they didn't have Matt Prater. And Matt Prater was extremely uh, noticeable that they didn't have him but something you just said right there you can't be predictable at times the Cardinals have looked very predictable in what they're going to do so when you see a rematch three weeks later what in your mind is a bigger deal the fact that the Cardinals are getting Hopkins and Prater back that they didn't have three weeks ago or or you know Seattle's familiarity with what the Cardinals try to do on offense and the other thing Cardinals offense has given up points the last two weeks they weren't doing that three weeks ago yeah, I mean, that's where I think we have to kind of look at it. It's going to be awesome to have DeAndre back. I think that that's just something that you're going to really get to test the corners for Seattle. Uh, Prater, obviously get, get, getting the thunder leg back is always good because um, you can at least get into a position where you can put points on the board, where I think points will be a premium in this contest. And then I think the other thing is you, you've got to – like we, we talked about this at the beginning. You've got to establish a run. Like that, you can't get into this shootout match, and you were oh, G, how could Geno Smith? Be? He is the guy. He he is one of the top quarterbacks right now in this league. We have to accept that, and not think that just because he doesn't look like Russell Wilson and he doesn't look like any other you know guys that that you thought was going to be a starting quarterback for the Seattle, he is the guy. 
Pete, Pete Carroll, for whatever reason, I don't know how he figured this out. He should go play the lottery. Um, <laughs> you know, figured that th- that he was good with Gino, and Gino has delivered on that. But Gino, and this is where th- now this is a funny thing as as we go into this. Isn't it funny that Russell Wilson is struggling in, in Denver right now? That is funny. And, <laughs> and Russell Wilson. I have to laugh. Yeah, and Russell Wilson was like, I, I'm, I'm more, I, I, I meant more to Seattle, blah, blah, blah. But here's a classic example. Now, we saw with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, that was not true. Tom Brady was actually a really good quarterback, and it wasn't just a system. But I just maybe, just maybe, Pete Carroll's system is what saved Russell Wilson and made him look better than he was. Mm. Because Geno Smith, when you put the numbers right side by side, they're literally the same. And now I'm like, Pete Carroll's system seems to be what's making the quarterback play there that much better because Geno is literally playing like Russell Wilson and he's doing it in a different type of way. And he's he, he's good. A former first rounder came from West Virginia through a million balls. Wolf, you know, your fellow alum. That's there. my God, Virginia. There we go, and I think that's what's that's what's so scary about it is they are just it's boring football. It's not exciting football except for that Detroit game, but they just they get the job done. So if you're the Cardinals, points are a premium in this game. You got to be able to put them up, and I think having having Prater back is going to give you that extra edge. But you've got to run the football. You've got to establish a run in this game because that's what they're going to be trying to do. Yeah, no, you can make a case if they had Prater the last time they played, we'd still be tied at 19 uh, in that game with the the field goals they passed up and the extra point that was missed. Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, Max covers a lot of college football. When we come back, we'll get into the first college football playoff rankings of the season. Maximum football continues on the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Football. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome, from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Yeah, we only got one more segment here with Max Starks, so we figured we'd make the most of it with some college football. The first college football playoff rankings of the year are out. Max, I will just start at the very top as somebody who um, I'm pretty sure ASU is not going to make the playoffs this year. So as somebody that's an impartial observer, it's just refreshing to see somebody new at the very top. Tennessee comes in at number one, Ohio State, then Georgia, then Clemson are the other uh, top four teams. What do you think of Tennessee? Uh, they do absolutely deserve it. Um, Are they going to stay have, there? I think. Well, we'll see after this weekend. I mean, <laughs> that that's really the the test. If they, if they if they get through this weekend unscathed, then yeah, they keep the number one all the way through the playoffs. Um, because you will have you will have toppled two former number one uh, ranked teams and. To do that is just tremendous, and you've also you have five, you would have five AP top twenty-five victories at that point um, against top twenty-five opponents, which by far and away is the most when you look at everybody else in the field. Uh, I think that's the most pertinent thing because Ohio State, who's number two, they've only played two top twenty-five teams, 
and beating them. The first one was Notre Dame. And let's see. Last I checked, Notre <laughs> Dame is no longer in the top 25. Keep scrolling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Penn State being the other one who Penn State has now been thrashed by both Michigan and Ohio State. Um, so I think that was an easy choice between one and two. People are arguing, oh, man, why, why should Ohio State not be up? I'm like, no. No, they shouldn't. And if you watched that game uh, last weekend against Penn State, it was Penn State was leading that game twenty mm-hmm. to sixteen going into the fourth quarter, and for some magical reason, Ohio State just scores forty eight uh, scores twenty eight points and four touch or four touchdowns in the span of like six minutes and twenty five yes. seconds. So the fact they didn't show control and then yes they were able to eventually overcome it. That's why they're at the number two spot. Georgia has not had great competition. They haven't looked great in some games that were supposed to be easy gimme wins. And you know, is I think it's coming down to this. I mean, yes, you were number one last year and yes you were the top team and you look good playing Florida, but you know, you haven't done enough on the resume to earn the number one spot so far this year. Now, you go out and you beat Tennessee, that's a different story. But since you haven't seen that competition, you haven't played top 25 games like that, that's where it rounds out. And then Clemson, Clemson over Michigan. I know a lot of people are up in arms about Michigan not being in the top four. It comes down to this. Michigan has played one top 25 team, and that, of course, being Penn State. Again, you know, the local Big Ten, like, you know, homeboy that just comes around and you beat him up. He's like, he's like the heel in, in a wrestling, um, <laughs> wrestling show. Um, but they, they literally, they had, at the beginning of the year, they had Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. So their schedule left, and this, they did what they, what, what they were supposed to do. They've won every game. But at the same time, Clemson has taken on two top 25 teams, beaten them. Actually, I'm sorry, three. I apologize. Three top 25 teams and beaten them. So as long as they stay unbeaten, they should have the head-to-head because you're going to have a rubber match at the end of the year to decide if Ohio State or Michigan gets into the playoff. I just, if Clemson stays undefeated, I think that's one where they lock in at least the four seed and the other two will cancel, the other two pairs will cancel themselves out because Georgia will play Tennessee and Clemson will play, I'm sorry, and Michigan will play Ohio State. This is like a beautiful mind. Yeah, talk to me about this right here, though. Tennessee, do they have what it takes to knock off Georgia, man? Do they have what it takes? Because they got offense, that much I know, man. Their offense, I will give you, it is as high powered as it Put gets. Put 44 on Kentucky exactly and I enjoyed every right, point. right, man. But, um, you know what, defensively, are they good enough to actually take Georgia out? Well, I think that that's what we're going to see. I think they've been working towards that. And you saw that against Kentucky, a team they knew that was going to come out and try and establish a run. They stopped the run. Well, guess what Georgia wants to do? They want to establish a run as well. And if you can lock down McConkie and Bowers, you can depress this offense uh, significantly. And I think that's what you have to try and do because offensively, it's a track meet on offense. And I think right now, nobody has figured out how to score with them consistently outside of Alabama. And that's where the test is going to be for Georgia because I haven't seen Georgia really put up those numbers in a head-to-head matchup uh, this season. And, you know, yes, they put up 55 against Vanderbilt. (laughs) And, of course, the 42 against Florida, which was aided by some interceptions and everything. But you you look at the Tennessee team, they're scoring 44 or better every single week. 
And nasty. Georgia Georgia went thirty nine and to twenty two against Kent State. 26 to 22 against Mizzou. Like, I think those though, games Max, are like, yeah. Do you not think Georgia is the best, um, the, the most well rounded college football team in the country? I think uh, on the basis of offense and defense, they're. I would say probably number two. I think TCU's the best balanced one Whoa. of all of them. Yeah, why is TCU Whoa. so far down this list? You, you know, I think it's because, A, it's the Big 12, and, you know, viewership does come into that because there's no way I'm ranking TCU behind Alabama. Like, it's just not happening. Uh, a one-loss team versus an undefeated team who has literally whipped, you know, top 25 opponents, like, in consecutive weeks. And when I mean consecutive, for a month, a calendar month straight, yeah. they have just gone out and just absolutely won and decimated teams. The entire month that- of October, TCU was beating top 20 teams. Yeah. So that's one that was a head-scratcher for me. I felt like they're better uh, than Alabama right now. Hell, I'd put them in front of Michigan right now. Well, here, Um, let me ask you the big question, Max, before we hit the break, because we all know how this plays out. No matter what, Alabama will be in the Final Four because they can't hold a playoff without Alabama in it, apparently. So of these four teams that are in there right now, who's dropping out so they can mysteriously sneak Alabama in? Ooh, you have me go to the dark place on this one. <laughs> oh, uh, Georgia. Really? Okay, wow. I thought you were going to say Clemson. But Georgia, right. now, well, Clemson, I, I look at Clemson's schedule. Here's the thing, Luke. Like, I look at Clemson's schedule, and I'm like, where they should have faltered would have been already. And the rest of your season is this. Notre Dame, at Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, South Carolina. Who's going to pull the upset out of that crew? No, that's fair. You're right. And Georgia's going to either Georgia or Tennessee is going to have a loss here, obviously yeah. soon. So yeah, you're probably right. I yeah, for me it's just Georgia. I think Georgia is the most well-rounded, uh, fundamental team on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball that you can get. Uh, I again, I'd like to see that. I don't think they're going to lose. That's just me. Uh, Max, great right. stuff as always, man. I know you have a busy week, although this is your bye week, so it's also your vacation. Think of it that way <laughs> yeah exactly this is what i do on my vacation i want to i want a vacation from my vacation <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks all right fellas, y'all take care <laughs> that's uh, max starks checking in for maximum football as he does every wednesday wolf when we come back we're going to basketball and we got to talk cam johnson is he turning a corner we'll get into that next it's wolf and luke on arizona sports the local sports leader